Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, hello. Today we are chatting with Jessica Wakula. She, I'm excited because I've always wanted to go here. Um, It was actually our dream when we lived in Alaska to go travel to Hawaii, but she was born in Hawaii and raised in New Jersey. And um, she has worn many hats in her career from first grade, fourth grade, fifth grade teacher to a supervisor of curriculum and instruction to admin. And she now hosts workshops for teachers who are needing more of a family work-life balance, which she has found her calling in life in. Um, So really, we are like one and the same because we feel the same way. We all need more family work-life balance. Listening, she she loves listening to teachers um, and, and loves helping them through what they are needing. So we are super excited to talk with her today as she has a wealth of experience helping teachers through their stuff so they can be their best and we are going to hop right in here. So Jessica, thanks for being with us. And um, please tell us about your story and how it's led you to where you are now. First of all, this is the best day of my whole life. (laughs) The idea that somebody states away was like, hey, I like what you're saying. Will you talk to us? I've been like flying so high. You don't even know. (laughs) I'm like, I had like a hundred ideas already about how we could like be best friends and you could like teach me how to use a saw from across the country. So like (laughs) my brain is like New York city highway morning traffic where it's like red and green and yellow and like (laughs) things are jammed, but like things are flowing and it doesn't stop. So my mouth moves fast. My brain moves faster, but like it's all gold. (laughs) <laughs> so, so pumped and so thankful that you guys care and are listening and are on the same page because the more of us there are, the better it will be literally for everyone. Right. Cause you yes. like kind of get it or you kind of don't. And so Hawaii, New Jersey, I'm here. Cooler that you lived in Alaska because unfortunately for me, I only lived in Hawaii for two weeks. Um, my okay. parents met while my dad was on leave and thought mm-hmm. it would be funny if they got married after 10 days. And then my mom moved to Hawaii with a stranger she married. <laughs> Voila, here I am. Oh so That's a story and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I was born, I was technically born there, but I only lived in Hawaii for two weeks before... I'm straight back to New Jersey, but Mm -hmm. Wakula, even Hawaiians think is a Hawaiian last name. So they're like, oh, is that Hawaiian? I'm like, no, it's Polish, but it does sound Hawaiian there. (laughs) (laughs) Peace every time. Yeah. Right. That's so funny. I'm glad you said how long you were there because that was, I was going to ask you that question. So I'm, it's like, it's like a trick. Like I'm not that cool. <laughs> Sounds super cool on paper, but like the story's over before it even starts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then after I moved back from Hawaii, I got a master's degree in education and became a teacher. And my first job teaching was in New Brunswick, which is the same like town city that Rutgers University is in, um, where I actually went to undergrad school and had no idea there was an elementary school one block behind the student center. Oh, wow. And yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty wild. I didn't expect that to be my first job. The commute was terrible. And while I was there, I taught first grade for four years. 
and then fourth grade for one year. So what was super wild about that was that I had the same kids twice and I had one student three times. So I learned so, so much from like sort of seeing what I taught them at the foundation and then how that translated to fourth grade for better or worse. And it was like really eye-opening. And most of those students spoke Spanish. It was a very uh, urban, poor Hispanic community. And then I moved to be a fifth grade teacher in Neptune, New Jersey, which is near the shore where near Asbury Park, where the um, population was primarily African-American. So it was a super big school district to a medium school district, very diverse populations, very, like if I could go back, the things I would do differently are outrageous. Um, And then I went to a one building pre-K to eight school district to be an administrator. And that district was very affluent, 500 kids in the whole building. I called it a snow globe because everything was white and perfect. Um, And at, at first people were like, oh, you know, how are you adjusting? And at first the wild, wild part was going from a big district to a small district. In a big district, I would have to ask my principal and an ELA supervisor and who's the superintendent? I don't know, but in this district, it was the superintendent and then me. So I went from sort of being low man to being at the top, so making all the decisions during COVID. Um, COVID was tough for everybody. And I really like dug deep and I thought about what it was like, why do I come to work? I was working my butt off every day in different ways than everybody else. And I loved it. Like COVID is like a crowning achievement of my career. <laughs> they were like, all right, get your laptop. Let's write a school closure plan. And we're like, what's that? They're like, we don't know, but we got to write one. So it was like, I was solving problems we were never even asked before. So um, then as that got less exciting and more sucky, I was like, why do I do this? Because it's not all solving the world's problems. And sometimes I was like, you know what? I just like helping people. It, it turns out I the people who want help are the people I should be helping. And I'm beating my head against a wall trying to help the people who aren't. So let me just oh give the God. people who are asking for help, help. And that's like sort of how I, I came full circle here to from being a teacher. And at you know, as a teacher, my parents are like, oh, you should be a principal. Oh, you, and I'm like, no. I either want to be the secretary of education or I'm going to be teaching kindergartners how to read. Like there no is no in between. Yeah. I was 25 and now I'm a grown up. And <laughs> I realize it's super important to have all those experiences. And, you know, I really learned a lot about myself and about education. And I think I came to education reframed because through the course of my teaching career, I had a lot of progressive leadership, which included a lot of professional development. And the first time they were like, oh, Jess, like we're having this workshop series, like teachers are talking about what they're best at. You should do one. And I'm like, okay, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, no, 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 like whatever you're good at. And I'm like, what am I good at? Cause I'm bad at everything. And they're like, just think about like what you, and I'm like, but you're not understanding. Like, I think everything can be better, but you think I should just know good at. So I, I asked the art teacher and I was like, Hey, what do you think I'm good at? Cause like, I don't know what I'm good at. And she goes, you know what you do better than everybody else? She goes, you know, your students, like you, like you just know them, like, you know, how to talk to the kids. Like, you just get them. And I thought that was so interesting because that is what I did really well. And that's still what I do really well. But the whole time I was teaching, I was ready to get fired every day. And it all comes together after that. So I could tell the whole story and you don't have to ask any questions or I could stop and you guys can go from there. <laughs> I don't have an off button. You got to like, no I think that's powerful to point out though like I think that that's true for so many of us that in the moment we don't stop long enough to even recognize what we're good at because we're focusing so much on 
just like what you said, like I can be better in everything and I see where I need to be better. I see where I need improvement. And, and it, it takes a whole shift in thinking to stop Mm -hmm. and think. And uh, one of the confidence leaders that I uh, follow and have done some workshops, she tells us to do that exact thing. Go ask your friends, go ask your peers what they think you're good at. And so what you did there, I thought was really important to note, like you can do that. You can ask for those, ask those questions to the people around us and, and take time to think about what am I good at and, and nobody talks about what anybody's good at. Everybody only (laughs) talks about like, what could we do? we be doing more and what, you know what you should do better. (laughs) I had no idea anything I did good until I was employed as not my internships not observing other people not until I was an administrator walking the halls every day did I have any clue what I was good at and I'm so I don't want to say sad or disappointed um I'm like disheartened and blaming I'll just say it I guess like uh, I'm disheartened and blaming that just because we don't talk about positive stuff, that's why everybody's burned out. Like that's plain and simple and that's it. Nobody knows what they're doing good. All anybody hears is, you know what? Live stream. And they're like, but what about my copies? And they're like, we didn't tell you about copies. We said live stream. But that doesn't translate to, to people. And that's where expectations, I think, get put on ourselves because we don't, we don't know how to manage our plate sometimes and that was where the workshop there's too much on my plate came from if mm-hmm. one more person said take something off my plate and I'm like I- I'm listening to teachers and I'm like no I'm literally telling you like just do this Ju- just this and they're like but we have to get to the end of the and I'm like no 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 yep just read the directions I said do the odd numbers and they're like but we have to and I'm like okay you're we need a workshop. There's too much. And I, we literally brought plates, filled them up with all our responsibilities. And we took things off our plate that, you know, I told oh you that. that's such a it, cute idea. <laughs> it was amazing. Like I, I brought China, I brought plates, I brought mm-hmm. post-its and I pre-made some, like, I don't know if you guys have the same acronyms that we do here, but you know, SGOs, PDPs, New Jersey smart, all yeah, those are different of these things that we have to do mm-hmm. like student growth objectives you know I think that's for uh who cares we're here to talk about wellness not about yeah. your evaluation <laughs> percentages I, like those um, are you know INRS multi-tiered intervention multi-sensory oh and this student doesn't have a mom and this student has a twin and this student's home Okay. Okay. Plates. I filled up some things. I'm like, all right, now take post-its, take pens. I made it very multi-sensory. Like I I really try and think about what I like. Everybody likes fresh markers. Everybody likes fresh post-its. There's Mm -hmm. color, Sharpies, brand news, exercise, hydration, my kids, bedtime, your bedtime routines. I was checking out your guys' stuff and I was like, (laughs) no, this is it. It's like so simple. Like Mm -hmm. just do this. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. talk about it, listen to each other, make a plan, and then just do this. But th- that's right, yeah. that's hard for people to do. Um, it is, yeah. It's it's almost like it's uncomfortable not feeling stressed out and running around like a crazy person all the time. And that's <sighs> wild. Yeah, wild. Mm-hmm. I'm also very transparent that I've been to a lot of therapy, like a lot. (laughs) I am like, Hey, therapist, the doctor gave me these pills. They don't do anything. And she's like, nothing. I'm like, they don't take the edge off. And she's like, that's because you're up here Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. And to circle back, I always get there. That's what teacher burnout's about. I think like just a lot of talking about, what mm-hmm. else that it's common if you're not tired you're not working hard enough if you right. 
don't need expensive makeup. You're not sad enough. You're not chugging energy drinks all day long and coffee. Oh, you got a restful night's sleep. You're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Um, That's, you know, a big reason why we created our course as well. And one of the big ones in our course is um, kind of like in the middle of it. And we talk hard on boundaries because I see it all the time. There's just like what you said, putting so much on our plate. It's not even usually like in my experience, it's not admin putting it there. Although we have this like thing in our head saying like, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. And, and like, oh, I I have to put pictures on Facebook to show the community what I'm doing. I have to put on this thing. The community thinks that I'm, you know, I'm like twitching, hearing you go through the the, the, the wheel that's in everybody's head. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do a lot of that just especially like before I was tenured, um, um, just because like I had been cut from every position, not me personally, but just like, because I'm a shop teacher and I'm mm-hmm. not a core subject area. Um, I would, I had been cut from every position. It's like, I have to prove my worth and like, you know, get myself out there as much as possible. And I was literally thinking about this on the way here and like how I got out of something like some contrasting that I was in with another school, bringing in all the, these like super, cool pieces of equipment but I'm like I don't actually want to do this with the kids and the kids don't actually want to do it with me it was just kind of like a hey this sounds really cool and it's gonna look really cool to the community and to my admin and so I'm gonna do it and then I started thinking about I'm like I really don't want to yeah so I'm just like I'm not anymore that's and that's (laughs) that's what really got me to you know and I I got into my first Instagram educational political argument <laughs> don't typically engage yeah. in the arguing whole thing about how our governor is going to have a task force about how to fix the teacher shortage and every comment's like pay them more pay them more and I'm like throwing money at you doesn't fix the problem and they're like you're clueless learn about policy real and I was like I'm actually very well versed in educational policy and law. I'm just like letting you know, like, truly not the problem. I would say, though, that it is the community and the parents, because in addition to us putting that on ourselves, the parents are conditioned to do that, too. So then Mm -hmm. when the parents are going back to the admin saying, well, you know, cool saw in Miss Johnson's class, but why isn't it? the digital saw that this town has our kids they're really gonna knock and I'm like goodbye like that's the part I can't do like Mm -hmm. if I could just talk to you we could talk about it and have a conversation and be really authentic of like no you know what I think I have to check my email all night my principal never told me that right yeah Mm -hmm. that was a big one for us conversations I have a lot of conversations with people who are like, you know, oh, my, my, my principal says we have to check our email. I have never heard a principal say you have to check your email all night. And I learned that when I checked an email one night and I'm like, this mother, I'm all night, all night. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't supposed to worry about this until the morning. Mm-hmm. This yep. is just ruining my, by the time I drive home, I wind down, I have dinner, I have my routine. I don't have to, whatever Mrs. Smith needs to tell me or to complain about, if it is an emergency, mm-hmm. my superintendent gets paid to work 24 hours a day and she can find my number or she can call my, they're going to find me. Otherwise... I could wait, you know, and that, that really, you know, was something that changed really my perspective and my life. And even today teachers believe, and I'm like, okay, so if your teacher says, why didn't you get back to Mrs. Smith? You say, I was putting my kid to bed. It was yeah, a rough yeah. night. 
What are they going to do? Say, you better check your email. That's another, that's another kind of problem. Another kind of question. And at the same time, if that is happening, uh, if your admin is telling you that, or like it is in your contract, uh, you might want to like, maybe start looking elsewhere. <laughs> right. You know, right. like working yeah. for a school district that doesn't value their employees is something I would never recommend to people. Like I've talked to people on um, our page and like um, talking about uh, boundaries and stuff like that and how we can take care of ourselves better. And some people have come back at me and like, why is it about how we need to take care of ourselves better and not about how uh, my employer should respect me more and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like thinking, okay, well, if you don't feel respected as an employee, then why are right. you still working there? <laughs> right. But, but if you said to somebody like, what are they not respecting? And they said, well, my time. You say, okay, how? Well, they expect me to check my email at 11 o'clock at night. Who told you that? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And that's where it stops. I'm like, Nobody told you that, man. You don't have to do it. I know that's not in your cup. But that's just like people became teachers because we have type A personalities and we want to do a good job. And we want, there's a whole other episode about the patriarchy and this whole being a women's profession and I systemic and I'll I'll save that speech. But, (laughs) you know, I, I recently filled out a survey, one of our local schools here in my town is looking for a superintendent and they put out... Um, a survey to the community and to the staff. And they said, Hey, like fill out the survey. What are you looking for in a superintendent principal? And I wrote that. I think it's really, you know, uh, I think it said, I think the question was what personal characteristics should, should this person have or something? And then the follow-up question to that was if you could ask the candidate a question, what would it be? And I said, I think it's really important that an administrator has a healthy work-life balance because if your administrator is answering emails at 10 p.m., you or I or other teachers put it on themselves, well, then they must think that I'm not working hard enough because, no, like I get 24 hours. If it's an emergency, the police will find me. Somebody will find me. But, you know, you have to walk the walk and model it for your employees too. So I, I said that I thought that was really important. And then as a question to to follow up with that, you know, what would you ask this candidate? What do you do in your spare time? Because I don't want the answer to be checking my emails, worrying about the school. That means nobody's doing their job. And, th- and that creates a culture of distrust, of burnout, of never talking about the good, if you're only worried about the bad. Does that make sense? Like, you're right. Yeah. Like it's all sort of intertwined. And I know I talk fast and I'm real paranoid about that. That's why I bring it up every five seconds. But (laughs) I I think that's really part of the problem with burnout, especially from the top, from the bottom, Mm -hmm. we compare ourselves to each other. And teaching is really isolating until you get out of the classroom. You just hear, oh, so and so, her her reading groups, her data charts, cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. Oh, you know what? Cool. You never hear what you're good at. And then you're like, oh, my, my reading groups better be that good. It's hard. We don't focus enough on the personal craft and the Mm -hmm. why we come to school every day. And if all I got to do and my boss said, just make this person a little better than when they walked in this morning and you're doing good, I'd be like, cool, then I'm killing it all day. But (laughs) That, that's not how we mm-hmm. talk to each other or about what we do. So right. I think that's where we got into trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the, from what you've seen, um, and you can differentiate this if you want to, like pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and if we want to call this post-pandemic. Post, but, yeah. um, you know, what are some of that made the most common um uh, things that you've seen teachers place, you know, those unnecessary requirements or those things that they're thinking are requirements, but not. So what are some of like those most hmm. common? We've talked about checking email, but maybe what are some others that you've noticed? So I, I would think I would have to say that 
before I was an administrator and before COVID, but those times overlap because it was a year and a half that I was an administrator without COVID. Um, it was special education differentiation and co-teaching. Um, I was the gen ed teacher who had the bad students and I didn't have, I don't have a special ed degree and I didn't get one because I didn't, I didn't understand. I, I would ask like, well, how can I grade these three students? I could not, I didn't even know what question to ask to conceptualize how to differentiate properly. Um, so I like would explain my way out of it because I was afraid I wasn't doing something right or I wasn't understanding what like differentiation in the classroom was supposed to be. I would really say reading levels and growth and am I doing good enough scores, you know, state testing was a whole other layer of that, but um, especially in the districts where the students uh, spoke primarily English as a second language, we're, be we're below the poverty line, you know, reading and their overall academics bringing them up to grade level when they have such other disadvantages, I would say was the focus. Um, and then as an administrator pre-COVID, I, I would say the same, like I have to and will always till the end of time, give my wife all the credit for my understanding of special education. She just can see it and she can understand it and she can talk about it in a way that I understand. So then when I was able to understand special education, then as an administrator, and I understood what in the classroom interventions are, I understood why I had to wait so long before I could submit to the intervention team, why it wasn't, I really just started seeing it a different way. So as an administrator who understood who finally understood special ed. That is by far the best blessing I had of working in a small school district was I was uh, colleagues, uh, not parallel, the, the same level as the supervisor of special services. So I, I got so much experience really seeing the legal side, but then also the instructional side from my wife, but then also as a supervisor of curriculum, I could translate that into the gen ed classroom, which uh, was going to take more time uh, than I had in the district to really get people to get it. Like, no, no, like this is why, but it's in tandem with the plate, right? So differentiation looks like this and it sounds really complicated, but when you just reframe it which is where education reframe comes from like just reframing the challenge a little bit like no 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 right here I, I don't want to know if Roberta can write a social studies essay I want to know if Roberta understands westward expansion so it doesn't matter if she tells me rather than writes it because the writing part is for the English teacher I care if she can explain x y and z whether that's pictures, talk. So really, I think that teachers then may have been lacking that really deep understanding of special ed. And it, it's not their fault. You know, like, you know, education is really isolating. So I think having these kind of candid conversations about, I didn't learn it till I was in education for 13 years. I didn't understand special ed. I couldn't, I couldn't differentiate my way out of a paper bag. Now, it's, it's so simple, but you know, that, that was a difficulty then. And then now sort of post COVID, then during COVID, it was there's too much on my plate. How are we expected? And then I was surprised to see a drop in that this year. I had less of an interest in that workshop than I did last year, like significantly by like 75% um, less reach out. And I think that's because now the focus has shifted to learning loss. Mm -hmm. Sure. You can't lose learning if you didn't learn it. So the battle is reframing our expectations, which is full circle here, you know, of what's, pre what's our problem right now. And right mm -hmm. now, I think our next problem is, is teacher burnout based on perceived expectation.
Mm-hmm. So what I was hearing is, um, is pre-pandemic, yeah. it was a lot of um, maybe higher expectations for ourselves as teachers on what and how to differentiate and maybe some misunderstanding, mm-hmm. I think, legal-wise legal, legal wise with that special education and especially, I think, in, in elementary levels, it's um, it's like, okay, well, legally, what am I supposed to be doing? And it kind of adds that stressor for teachers and 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 makes us um, think, you know, I have to differentiate this lesson and it has to be a completely different lesson and blah, blah, blah. Uh, for, you know, we need to have 17 different yeah. lessons for 17 different students, you know, is what I would hear a lot um, in, yeah. in one yeah. of the districts I was at. And it's like, okay, well, that's not the point. Um, but then, then that shifted, right, during COVID, and that mm-hmm. kind of went away a little bit um, to now. I, I would think in a lot of ways this learning loss, quote-unquote, mm-hmm is really the same thing as trying the, to do this differentiation, just kind of under a different name, like putting, trying to, yeah. I'm yeah. having trouble coming up I with didn't the, think what about I'm it trying to say here. No, that makes total sense. Everything's just rebranded anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I hadn't thought about that as rebranded intervention and differentiation but it for sure is and and I think to your point prior to COVID it was I want to say more personal maybe but like why aren't you helping my kid you're the reason my third grader is not reading on third grade level it's it's Mm -hmm. you now it's well, the whole country paused and what right. are you, the teacher and you, the district and you, the gut. So I think you're right, but I think that maybe COVID made it more undefined, which is really unfortunate because it was diff- it was a difficult, it is a difficult concept, but now it's, I think just a little more undefined and complex. And that adds to burnout too. Yeah. So um, because you were admin, I want to talk about this. And um, a lot of teachers feel like they don't have admin support. And I have um, worked in three different school districts where I had zero admin support. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Um, So I hear their concerns. And we already kind of touched on this, um, but I actually almost gave up on education before the school that I work at now because I actually have administrators that care about their employees. Yeah. Whereas before, I really didn't. Um, so, what can you tell teachers listening um, to this who love teaching but hate their admin? <laughs> I hear two different questions. And my first question to you would be, what does it mean to you? Or like, what does it look like when admin's not supporting you? Like, what are you not, what are you, what or what were you not getting? Um, so for me specifically, it was uh, help when I asked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my, my second job, which was my first uh, shop teaching job. I was, um, I was a para before that for two years in Alaska. And, um, so my first like actual teaching job in the classroom, I asked my admin like specifically for help, like with certain students. Um, I asked for, I had five different preps that year and three different shops to take care of and a classroom it was way too much for a first year classroom teacher I was I was working like 16 hour days just trying to get prepped and planned for wait the next day so I question right there ask. did anybody <clears throat> tell you that wasn't enough <clears throat> did anybody tell you you no. know like weren't you like it, it, what I I sounds horribly overwhelming for a new <clears throat> teacher but like what, what weren't they helping you with? Cause 
what I'm doing is like what I would do as an administrator. Like so, I literally listen to what teachers say and I've experienced this as well. So I'm just like curious though. So like it informs how this exercise that I'm sort of doing with you right now mm-hmm. is like what informed me as an administrator and also as an educational consultant to say, Hey, we need something that says there's too much on my plate. So if I'm hearing, and I've, I heard this as an admin, I've heard there's been so much turnover, you know, I, how, like, how can I, okay, well, like, that's not my fault. So like, tell me what you need from me. Mm -hmm. So, So I would ask her like specifically, I need help with these kids. Could you, like deal with them. Um, it was basically like a, you send them out, they get a, a slap on the wrist. Nothing's ever really solved. Like I wanted, yep. I wanted Came help back with like, chips and a sticker. Right. Yeah. Um, so that didn't, that didn't help. I asked for like stuff to be taken off of my plate, like not so many preps, um, that never, that never helped. So I eventually just like one of my classes pretty much was just kind of a free for all because I literally had no time to prep and plan. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so and then what ended up happening at the end of the year, all the things that I was asking for help with, she took to my superintendent, but twisted it in a way mm. where I was a horrible person for asking for help. So when I felt like that, I left. That's yeah, what you no, do I did. for all the teachers out there yeah. listening. If you feel like that, and if that is your experience, that every time you ask for help, get another job. Oh, get yeah. out, get 100%. another job. And I did. That's I, my advice. They um they ended up cutting my position to part-time, which I was like, thank you, God. Like this mm-hmm. is, I was asking Blessing. for a time, like, do I come back next year? Do I leave? Like, what do I do? She ended up not even coming back the next year, but it didn't matter. Cause I was so burnt out after that first year. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'll sub for a little bit. I'll work as a waitress and a bartender and life was good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. <clears throat> the year I was trying to get an administrative job this one particular year and I had a, I had a tough class. And in particular, I had one really tough student. It's a long story. He was like at a private school before, but in my fifth grade class, I was like, Oh, tell me about your class last year. Like how many kids were in your class? And he's like two. And I was like, no, no. Like how many kids were like in your whole class? And he's like two. And I'm like, why are there only two kids in your class? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and yeah. it was, you know, it was a, it was a private school, you know, it was a whole thing. And he had been sort of cohorted up in a, in a private religious school for a while and then got plopped in my class. And the kid was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was cool. He was awesome. But he like lacked these social skills and we could not, we could, I couldn't, I don't want to say break them, but like I, I know I said I have an unparalleled ability to connect, but I could not <laughs> connect with that child. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, can, I, I can only perform so many miracles in 180 days and six hours a day. Um, and I kept going to the administrator, the principal, the guidance counselor, the mother. And then finally, you know, things blew up one day. And I said to the principal, I was like, I came to you and I asked for help. And he said, had I known it was this bad, I could have done more. And in my head, I'm not sure what kind of rated show this is, but I was like, (laughs) this is BS. And I sat there and I was like, okay. And you're gone. When you do that to your employees, like when you don't listen, Mm -hmm. you lose them. And that was where at a point where I was like, okay, either things need to change or I'm just, you know, going to punch the clock. I come in, I do my job and that's it because this is where the, I don't get paid enough for this stuff comes Mm in. I've asked. Mm -hmm. So then as an administrator, I tried to, this is so grammatically incorrect, like make really sure, really make sure that I really listened to what people need help and support with so I could give it to them because I didn't ever want a teacher to feel how I felt for my Mm -hmm. administrator. 
Right. And right. yeah, it sounds like you're comfortable okay. asking those un uncomfortable questions. You know, we're not often literally had a workshop called questions I'm afraid to answer. And then awesome. the tagline was, we have to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations because yes, yeah, that is all of it. Yeah. People. Right. <laughs> you know, I think that's a perfect segue. Uh, so tell us about your workshops. What, what do, have you all offered? Are they all in person workshops? Have you done virtual? What, tell us about what you're doing. Yeah, so um, now I do education reframes. I'm an educational consultant where we reframe challenges, restore the educator, and refocus our approach. Sometimes we just need to take a step back. What's not working? I'm terrible. No, you're not. What's wrong? My math <laughs> lesson was terrible. Okay, why? The kids, they weren't getting it. Okay, cool. Like that happened. So now what? And they're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm no, you just go back and teach it again tomorrow a different way. So really just truly listening to those little things and just like spinning a little bit and they say wow like that really helped like thanks I was like you're not a bad teacher because like you couldn't explain long division right the first time like go back and try again it's okay you're just a person I just I just want to have those conversations because I think a lot of it boils down to just like not understanding and not wanting to sound stupid I never asked about special ed again because I didn't want to sound stupid Mm -hmm. so, oh yeah sure I do that cool and I faked it till I made it but guess mm -hmm. what I never got better at differentiation mm -hmm. okay right. so now let's do that so um the questions I'm afraid to answer workshop here in New Jersey we had a lot of revision with LGBTQ mandates people were talking about critical race theory health standards and I'm like what are what questions are you afraid to answer and I was really coming at it from a social justice, poverty, race, you know, discussion. And a lot of teachers, all the teachers that came to that workshop were like, I don't like when a parent asks me about my grading policy. I don't, every time my administrator sends me an email, like I worry I did something wrong, like the constant anxiety, which is what was really surprising to me, you know, well, what if a parent says I'm indoctrinating their kid? I'm like, Okay, well, are are you? <laughs> like, no. Okay, well then ask the parent, like, what'd your kids say? Like, you don't we're such in a rush, you know, to to back to what you said earlier, Ashley, about, you know, if we're not burned out, if we're not working all night, we're not doing it right, but we also feel like we owe everybody an explanation. And we don't. Like we we can explain the reason. And we can have the boundary. Well, mom, guess what? I asked your kid three times very nicely to put his pencil away. And I said, if you don't do that, uh, I'm going to have to, you know, whatever it is. There was like a 10 minute conversation before your kid went home and, you know, you just talk about it, bring the kid in. Parents don't like being confronted just as much or, or an administrator. But if you just have the uncomfortable conversation it's a little more comfortable. So, you know, that's, that's really the approach. There's too much on your plate. Need us to take some stuff off. Let's literally take a plate, take some stuff off. So, you know, right now too, that has spun a lot into co-teaching. So with the ebb and flow of COVID and learning loss, um, now it's co-teaching. And I've done a lot of coaching about that with individual teachers who are struggling uh, with their partner. And I was never a co-teacher. I wasn't the special ed team, super alpha. Nobody taught me how to work with an adult. So like, that was really scary. And then you say, oh, okay, well, guess what, Roberta? You're going to work with Ashley this year. You're going to move into her room. That, that alone sets the pair up for failure. And those are the things that make us feel overwhelmed or that I've heard from teachers that feel overwhelming. Well, she tells me what to give for homework. Well, is she your boss? No, right. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm the boss. So like the, the conversation becomes more about like, how do you guys work together? And um, I'm doing a big workshop called elevated co-teaching because a lot of people really associate co-teaching with 
six models, parallel, whole groups, small group, two groups. But what do you guys do when there's a conflict? What do you do when there's a kid you can't stand? What do you do when I like to get there at seven and you like to leave at five? Those are the mm -hmm. things that, that really cause conflict, I think, and make um, working in a co-teaching environment not nearly as beautiful and successful and easy in a smarter, not harder way. But nobody's trained people how to do that. Mm -hmm. Elevated co-teaching, take your six models and make them awesome and just like have that uncomfortable conversation. And when you have the sentence starter, when you have the words and the routine or a schedule to check in, oh, guess what? Yeah, I didn't realize uh, I hate grading essays. I look great. They're all you. Don't tell me about, <laughs> you know, you have to learn how to play separately and together. Um, and I think that really uh, training and developing people and, and honing in on their individual, why they come to work, what they enjoy, what do I enjoy? Okay. What things do neither of us enjoy and how do we divide and conquer? Like, mm -hmm. That's so interesting because I've never actually even thought about co-teaching because I've always been the only shop teacher at any school I've ever been at. Yeah. <laughs> so, and like Roberta and I obviously work together now on our course on our podcast and it's super easy because we both kind of, we communicate like that. Like, Hey, Roberta, what do you want to do? What do, what do I want to do? What do I not want to do at all? Oh, you like that? Cool. You take that. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? It's great. <laughs> and, and then I don't worry about it, right? Like she yeah. does the editing for the podcast. I'm not like sitting over her shoulder like, oh, did you do that right? <laughs> you right. know? Like, right. Because either you don't care right. or you trust her. Yeah. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. And it's, I think that's like a really um, perfect example of a boundary that people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Like that's a clear boundary. Great. You want a bulletin board? Great. I want nothing to do <laughs> with bulletin boards. It's I kind don't of like, care if it's, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's kind <laughs> of like all the extra duties and stuff that I hear teachers talking about all the time. Like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. We have to do this. I'm like, but why? <laughs> who, who told you? Like, I know in our right. contract, it says that duties could be um could be uh, other duties assigned. as assigned that right. catch all yeah mm -hmm. yeah but like just because my ad has sent out the email 20 times that they're looking for a new junior high basketball coach doesn't mean that i need to sign up for it Correct. i want nothing to do with sports <laughs> i told her that i'm like i am never going to reply to your emails because i want nothing to do with sports <laughs> So, unless help me out. you're having like a Ted Lasso moment and you're like, you know what? I could use that stipe. And you're like, Hey guys, I don't know nothing about soccer, but we're going to do but that's or what you're signing up for when we have donkey basketball. Yeah. I'll sign up for that. Right. <laughs> I'll ride a donkey and play some basketball. Sure. Yeah, my sister-in-law explained, you know, buying a house one time and she said, you know, there, there's some things that are non-negotiable and there's some things that you have to be willing to concede on. No master bathroom. I need, I need it. Garage need it. Mm -hmm. Playroom. I you know you can get bolt. I don't care. You know, so the same thing in working with a co-teacher is like what things are non-negotiable for me, non-negotiable. I'm not leave. I'm not staying till four. Yeah. I leave every day at four or my night is ruined. I'll get here at five, eight, you know, it, you know, and those are things that are important to maintain as individuals, as a co-teaching pair. But then we also have to be grownups and professionals and say, all right, well, like neither of us want to do this. So mm -hmm. phones down, pencils up, yeah. raise, <laughs> enter, let's go home, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's so awesome. simple and so intertwined. Right. And if you just break it down to the little pieces. Even if it's, I'm just trying to get paid, man. Like, you know what? I'm here for the paycheck. Forget the future of America. The benefits are good. The pension's good. Summers are up is good. Cool. Then don't complain. Be there for the money. Cool. Punch in, punch out, be done. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about your why, 
and you just do the why every day, it's not that bad. I'm like, I like building stuff with kids. Super cool. Jobs mm-hmm. more fun when that's what you worry about. And yeah. kids, kids learn better. 100%. And when you're taking care of yourself, because yeah. Yeah. my teaching career has significantly improved since I started putting more focus on taking care of me. Since yes. I've been working out, since I've been eating better, since I've been doing more journaling and working on meditating, not not quite there. Hard. Working on it. <laughs> when I um, when I open up my way. workshops, when I open up my <laughs> workshops, I bring like I promise at every workshop you will not have to say your name, your school. What great, nobody wants to do that. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants to work in a small group and talk amongst. Nobody wants to do that. Come in bring your coffee. I make a little nameplate. Like I write your name in bubble letters and there's, I'm like, here, color in your name and teachers, they will color the whole day. There's like, I'm like, here, just listen to me. No computers in person. I don't like the zoom because it's, I I used to get zoom fatigue real fast. This, because I feel like a B-list celebrity today. I can sit here and talk to you all day. <laughs> However, at the time it was rough. Um, so I, I really am big on hosting them in person. But if there's some people in Minnesota who want it, I will totally either fly out there or make it Zoom available. But it was in my boundary and yours. You guys don't want to sit here for three hours listening to me either. So right. what do we need? <clears throat> you know, questions, plates. You know, we, we can do that in Zoom, but you know, for the locals here and for the time being, I prefer to do it in person because it's, it's a vibe. It's a flow. Like we're people, you gotta, mm-hmm. our energies have to like mix and not and separate. And, and it's just, it's a craft and an experience and we're in the business of humans. And when you're in the business of mu- humans, you have to have humanity. And that means for ourselves mm-hmm. and those healthy habits of working out and exercising and not checking your email. Oh yeah. Significant <laughs> improvement in my life. Mm-hmm. My wife this year, she is, she teaches self-contained and she's incredible, like annoyingly incredible. And I'm like, get off, get off. You're done. Don't check that you have six kids like enough. Well, 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 I'm like, just, you don't have to worry about it till the morning. And one day, I was making dinner and she comes in and she goes, I did something bad. And I'm like, okay, well, like I didn't hear anything. So like, I was like, don't tell me. And she's like, I checked my email. And I was like, <laughs> I said, and what happened? She goes, I wasn't supposed to worry about this until the morning. And now my night's ruined. And I was like, yep. I told you so. I don't have to say put the phone mm-hmm. down. <laughs> yep. And then oh, your night absolutely. is kind of ruined too, you know, like when that happens, it yeah. doesn't just yes. affect I the do. individual doing it. It affects, it. It affects the, home. The, whole, the whole household. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've had those conversations here a lot. Yeah. And, and then it yeah. doesn't just apply to teachers. I think it, you know, that email thing, it applies to a lot of different professions unless you're like an ER doctor or All of them. something. It's like, no, stop. You can wait. Mm-hmm. Do not check mm-hmm. that email. Turn the notifications off. Mm-hmm. Have a designated time to check it. Have some somebody personal policy awake. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we like to do just like a few mm-hmm. questions at the end, just some fun ones. So what are you most grateful for in this season of your life right now? It's really funny because I read all the questions and I was so excited that I got to the final. I was like, oh, the fluff ones, those are easy. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember thinking about it for like 10 seconds. Sudden, I'm I'm here. So if it's too hard, you don't have to say what you're most grateful for. You can just no, like pop in whatever no, you're grateful for. No. Um, so I'm going to actually like wrap these all into three. So you don't get three 20 minute answers. Um, okay. And for those of you listening, and I'll pretend to be a podcast host right now. For those of you listening, <laughs> the final questions were, what am I grateful for? What am I reading? Or what podcast am I listening to? And obviously, it's this one, because it is incredible. And you two are incredible. Oh, thank you. And what is a daily routine I do to take care of myself, mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual? 
And I have to tell you, all of these things are intertwined because I'm not a reader right now because Mm -hmm. for myself, I'm reading so much about building my website, advertising, Mm -hmm. what's a shortcut I can use in this program. So like learning and creating, and I've learned this through therapy is like a really, really important part of mindfulness Mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't talk about. So to really take care of all those things like spiritual, emotional, I'm not reading because I'm doing more talking, but I do like (laughs) a lot of planting. I know I joked a little earlier about using a saw, but I'm truly like teaching myself how to use power tools and how can I build something or I'm watching a YouTube video about crocheting or Mm -hmm. I'm trying to speak like, so I really find that like being present in creating things, whatever that means for that moment really just kind of gets me, keeps me sane. And when things get too heavy and I know I have to be silly, I used to keep, you know, those like little Charlie Chaplin glasses with the, dancing mustache and the wind up I had one of those in my office and I used to keep it as a reminder like not to be too serious like I love that (laughs) like there's not too much that needs to be this serious and when I Mm -hmm. feel like I need some fun it means I need some fun right so very recently my fun project of reading researching and being grateful for and taking care of myself is I am into candle making. And nice. no, 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 it's not that nice. <laughs> because the other thing I'm grateful for, you want to, you want a quick shout out here, brother-in-law, is that I'm a grown-up. And the best thing about being a grown-up is I get to do whatever I want. So and stay up all night and make candles. And one day, my brother-in-law, like I said, temporarily moved in with us. And he came downstairs and he was like, hey, um, you guys got a candle I could steal? Uh, my room smells like farts. So my fun project, the fart candle, has been born. And making silly fart content is way easier than intelligent, concise, inspirational quotes so I'm just having like a little bit of fun playing with farts and candles lately (laughs) because it has to be a part of my day that like I don't take too seriously and yeah that's what we're here for right like the multi-sensory experience of connecting with people learning things and doing things that we're uncomfortable with and just like seeing how it goes for Mm -hmm. better or worse Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, we have a whole lesson on that in our, in our, um, our course is the doing more things that bring us joy. So yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I think I'm funny. So I, (laughs) so if you see some fart content, give a like and a follow and you'll be the first one in my artisanal homemade candle product line the directions are in the name follow the fart candle and education reframed on instagram (laughs) (laughs) but also um i have really incredible workshops that i can present in person i love to check out minnesota and learn everything there is to learn and just like really help make the profession a little better because we're just humans and we're just trying to raise humans and do a good job and it doesn't have to be so hard right absolutely well thank you jessica for meeting with us tonight thank you guys so much i best time and no like thank you i'll tell the story forever like top five best (laughs) moments of my whole life that i'm on a podcast i'm honored i'm sorry to tell you we'll be friends forever now so get ready (laughs) you're on the wakula ride education reframed on instagram go check her out yep we'll put it in the in the show notes too have a good night everybody we want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living we would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes so feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com 
or the Teacher Mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.